<laughs> Can so you all... imagine like being uh, a therapist and doing no. a live audio sound wave like what do you see test? And you're like, so what do you see? And you hold up and it's just live and they just ah! into the mic next to you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we I think we just discovered a new type of therapy. There yeah, is. shock therapy. I'm but feeling better already. Not what you're thinking. <laughs> I am feeling better already. Why the fuck oh. did you scream? Uh, but do you remember your traumas? <laughs> yes! Can't remember what I had Ah, shit. No, 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 sorry. What just, what? I opened up what Facebook and it started yelling at me. Bro. Yeah, I hate when Facebook on, yells at me. to record a podcast here. Yeah, we're, yeah. Um, yeah, you guys know what we're doing tonight? Yeah, Raid, Shadow Legends. Oh, my God. Oh, was that not it? <laughs> no, that's next week's uh, Patreon bonus episode. <laughs> Um, alright, I guess we should start this off. Anything else we want to... Words. Um, hey everyone, and welcome back to Survival Check, your unofficial guide to the Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition Monster Manual. Uh, this week we're covering the Chool, because we're cool. I hated that. Anyway... Alright, see you guys, podcast (laughs) over. Uh, anyway, I, us, you can catch us at Survival Channel. <laughs> yeah, just go watch that. I don't. It's 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 gonna be a it's gonna be an episode. Uh, anyway, I'm Zach, one of your hosts, as always, and with me is Shane and Anderson. That's me. Um. Well, oh yeah, we were supposed me. to set this the scene. Who wants to set the scene up with this? Wait, monster? are you are you Shane or am I Shane? Who cares? Everyone's Shane. <laughs> That's up for the audience to decide. Yeah, <laughs> we're all Shane. <laughs> <laughs> We don't need Shane's where we're going. You know what? Shane's are very much like the Chool. I don't um, know what that means, but I thought it was pronounced cool. Ah, okay, uh, so we're going to get uh, into so it. Sh- Shane's like the, the Chool because he's a survivor of the Ableth Empire. I get it. No, that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I thought it was because of my sweet beard. Yeah, that you have yeah, full okay. control over and can <laughs> grapple things, of course. Um, I, 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 I have a case to make later that these are, uh, it should be pronounced Kaul, but instead everyone's calling it Chul. I think everyone's wrong. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So today we are talking about the Chul, the insect reptilian crab monsters from the depth, uh, depths, not the depth. There isn't one depth. There's many depths. (laughs) So depths, um. As always, let's talk about them. What do we know about them? Have we used them? I know, Shane, this monster has popped up in your campaign. Yes, I a have lot. used them. Uh, they've basically been dominating the scene like the last third of my campaign. They're, I've been using them uh, basically as like really badass foot soldiers for the main bad guy. Mm. And I like them a lot. I'm a big fan. I haven't personally no. uh, used them in my campaign, but they're my favorite uh, Ninja Turtle. Word. Chool? Rapachool? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that was actually fucking goddammit. <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, I've played against them a lot in Shane's campaign. I've never run them. Uh, they are, I, I do like them. As they, they are interesting aberrations. Um not like my top tier aberration, but they're like up there. They're they're good. They're good. Um, they serve their purpose for me. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Let's get into the history. Um, this time, we're actually not going all the way back to the start of time like oh. every other monster we usually cover. This is not a first edition monster. This is not a original Dungeons Dragons monster. This is a third edition's monster. Um, so when we talk about third edition and the Far Realm, we kind of have to talk about second edition a bit because that's when the Far Realm was introduced. Um, was 1998 if you want to hear more about the introduction of the fire realm go check out our Abolith episode we get into in depth like how the fire realm came to be and like its place in DD uh history um but anyway the truel definitely come from uh the second edition wanting to branch out into the different planes and specifically the fire realm appearing so uh, in third edition, after seeing how popular the Farm Realm was, we started to get a little bit more aberrations, and the Truel were one of them. So yeah, we're starting third edition. Sidebar, real quick yeah. how how neato does it feel, Zach, to be able to say, "Check out our previous episodes for more information on this topic." Now that you have enough on the market, it's it gotta feel, feel good. good right? we, have a, yeah. we have a lot of episodes. <laughs> It did feel really cool. Good, good, cool. It felt really good. <laughs> Can't believe I just said ghoul. Felt really good uh, when I was doing the research for the Chul, and I like saw like when they popped up in third edition. I was like, oh, that makes sense because in 1998, um, the peaks of the Firestorm Mountain happened, and the Fire Realm appeared. So obviously, there's gonna be more aberrations. So Absolutely. yeah, the it's, it's cool. I think this is the first monster we're seeing that really has a connection to another monster we've already talked about. Um, like, the Truel and Avalith are, like, intertwined together. Um, Alright, so, like I said, I can hear someone's keyboard very loudly. Sorry, I, my bad. Check the sound bar. I will not use that anymore. <laughs> the weird thing is, like, the sound bar, like, oh, I, I barely. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, um, I see it. My bad. I thought it was my music I was listening to. I was like, what the hell am I listening to? <laughs> it's okay. Um, anyway, so, uh, third edition, we get the Trull. They appear in the monster manual, the base monster manual, and they are pretty much similar to how we have them in fifth edition there. They are... Uh, creatures from the sea, from the depths. They they uh, they have a very Cthulian, Lovecraftian feel to them. Um, I feel like these out of the, all the aberrations. I mean, Mind Flayers kind of being close. Like this is the closest monster to an actual Cthulhu style monster because instead of coming from the far realm, they're coming from the depths of the ancient oceans, and we get that in third edition. Um. And also, this is where I'm going to make my stand. So, like, the Chul oh, are God. definitely inspired by Cthulhu. Oh, It's not yeah. Cthulhu, it's Cthulhu. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, but that also has a T between the C and the H. Well, uh, to be... To go on that note, Lovecraft actually wrote in a note that you're not supposed to pronounce the T. The people calling him Cthulhu instead of Kalulu is actually a more modern take on the name. Um, mm, but... You do pronounce the H, right? Yeah, ka, oh, oh, Cthulhu. Okay. So, so why wouldn't is C H? Kaul. Well, we would pronounce the same letters that you would pronounce in Cthulhu. So All right, use the, the same pronoun. You say use that logic and then say Chul. Chul. So why is it not Cthulhu? 
because you don't pronounce because yeah, there's a T because, between the C and the H. And but just you're not you supposed don't to pronounce that. It, just because you don't pronounce it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But I'm saying we're talking about the CH sound here. Yeah. Like the Cthulhu. Like, do you hear the cut? Like, where in the Cthulhu do you hear the T in the first two letters? Cut. <laughs> That's my answer. Well, you're just wrong. English, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, so, uh, a monster that sounds the like the pronunciation of Cthulhu is not supposed to be ka, it's Cthulhu, right? There is no uh yeah. noise in there, it's Cthulhu. It's there's you're you're both wrong, <laughs> Zach. You're adding in an extra letter, Shane. You're, you're I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll take that as long as Shane is wrong because he is perfect. Uh, I still think it's no one's cool, right, though. we're all wrong. Well, I will also argue this, like, Chul just does not sound like a Lovecraftian monster. Like, every Lovecraftian monster you can think of, like, Dargoon, has, like, all, like, they have multiple, like, what's it called? Like, there isn't just single-word monsters in the Lovecraftian universe. Um, Like, Chul is, like, a very smooth-sounding, like, if you want to call it Kahul or Chahul, like, that sounds way more Lovecraftian than it is pronounced now. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. So there. <laughs> but as, you know, an English speaking person, <laughs> when I see a C and an H next to each other, you know, it's chul. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but what about wow. chicken? Okay. Well, there's like four ways to say. Oh, so through. oh, 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 go. no, 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 no! If you go to D and D Beyond right now and go to the Chul uh, monster page, there is a speaker to pronounce it, and yeah. it sure as shit says Chul. What up, dog? Well, I know that's what I'm going off of. I'm saying that's wrong. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying that's wrong. <laughs> So moral oh, of the story I, is we've all got some hills we're willing to die on today. Absolutely. I'm just saying Chul does not sound like a Lovecraftian monster. That sounds... I can agree with that 100%. So, like, why why pronounce it? It's just like if we're talking about Eberron, uh, Seer is not as S-Y-R-E. Most people call it Kyrie, but it's Seer. So it's, I'm just saying, some, like, even if we're talking about the English language, like, words, how they are pronounced, give a feeling to a thing. Sure. I just don't think Chul represents this creature where, like, a Kahul or a Chahul would more represent this monster. I think the takeaway here is that our language is doo-doo. No, mm-hmm. English sucks. Mm-hmm. English is the biggest bastard language there is. Tomato, tomato, I guess. Like, honestly, if we're talking about, like, languages, English is literally just pulling other things yes. from other languages. It sucks. We are uh, just a cacophony of other bits of words. It is. It is a bastard language. But um, I totally agree. Chul does not jive with Lovecraft, but I have a one-track mind, so Chul forever. Hi- hashtag Chul or die. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Alright, so uh, the Chul, I'll call it Chul. That's how D&D pronounces it. We'll go for it. I'm just, that's my stance. I think it should be Kahul. Um, Outside the podcast, I'm on your team. What does that even mean? Inside the podcast, he's against you. Yeah, all what the fuck does that even mean? This is all for appearances. Oh, so you're just uh, kissing ass the Wizards of the Coast. I see how it is. Yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, this is so that the audience can have sides to choose. We've already talked so much shit about <laughs> D&D. 
<laughs> we're not getting a sponsor anytime soon. I'll die on this hill. <laughs> um, anyway, so the Chul, third edition. Um, five years later, 2005, uh, via third edition came out in 2000. We have Dragon Magazine 330. We haven't really talked about Dragon Magazine in a bit, but um, it appears uh, again now. Um, again, a great resource for learning about the monsters or even like the Forgotten Realms or really any lore or magic connected to Dungeons & Dragons. There's probably a Dragon Magazine that touches on it. It's a really good way to expand your games. Can um, I ask a question? Sorry. Yeah. Um, you said Dragon Magazines. it's not in production anymore? They they have a weird virtual. It's like called like virtual edition of it now. It's called like Dragon Plus. Okay, so how many do you know offhand? How many like physical editions were printed? I do not. I want to say it went. It, it went for a bit. Because three hundred thirty editions is kind of wild. Well, you have to think it started in the seventies. Right. That's awesome. Um. Yeah. So there's a lot of editions. Um. I do. They do have like I think it's called Dragon Plus now. Which I don't know if it comes out as regularly, but it is like an easy now. Um, it's kind of gone into obscurity, though. I don't think too many people use it. I know people use Sage Advice and stuff, and that's where originally Sage Advice came from the Dragon Magazine. So if you did have questions on the games or the mechanics, um, you could get some answers in there. Um, now we have a just Twitter for that. Right. Um, but anyway, Dragon 330 was the Far Realm edition. And honestly, uh, go check out the artwork for this edition. It is incredibly cool. Um, it's honestly, I think, my favorite cover for a Dragon magazine we've covered yet. And probably my, my favorite one that we'll ever see. I, I would love to have that art on like a poster or something. It is very cool. Um, but anyway, like I said, Far Realm edition uh, has really cool art. Uh, it also comes with some really cool reality bending spells. Like there was a couple pages of spells that you could have linked to the fire realm um but we're not here to talk about that like i said fire realm if you want to hear more about fire realm go check out our Aboleth episode um but we are here to talk about the ecology of the chul so this is a like four page spread breakdown on what the chul are about what type of bodies they have um what is their habitat where they come from and all that stuff so uh, here are some tidbits we get from this article. Um, first, they appeared in Swamplands. That is where the first Chul appeared. Um, in, like, the dark, damp, like, ancient Swamplands is when humans and elves and dwarves first made contact with the Chul. Um, and, of course, we said as D&D, the first paragraph is like, some suspect it was a madman's design. <laughs> get that out of here. I hate that so much in monster design. wizard. Yeah, it's God. I they, the amount of time that comes up in D and D history where they're like, "This cool monster was created by a mad wizard." Like, you have better world building than that. Um, but anyway, I think they they go off of that. Like, they they kind of play fun at it. So the first paragraph is like, maybe a madman's experiments um did that caused them. But then later on in the article, they talk to about a journey to an island, um. It has like a story woven through this article about this uh, person finding this old wizard's like sanctum that was tied to the Far Realm, finding all his notes, uh, finding this island and journeying to it, heading out there. Um, it was there on this island, which kind of has this like kind of Skull Island feel to it, this kind of uh, lost world feel to it. Um this very ancient island kind of like think Jurassic park or any like any trope where you have a movie or a show where they go into a place that was lost in time. 
Um, it was there that they found primitive mind flayers, lizard folk. Um, the lizard folk tell of a story that there once was a god who lived on this island, but then things came from the sea to kill that god. Um, like I said, very Lovecraftian. That is a very Lovecraftian eldritch horror trope. Things coming from the deeps, the oceans to kill. Um, it also tells that they are a combination of insects, lizards, and amphibians. So that's kind of where you get them coming from under the water, all that stuff. Um, and the thing that really terrifies these people when they find this creature on the island is that it remembers glimpses of their homeland. So it kind of starts this connection between the Abolith and the empires they once had. Um, this thing is ancient, more uh, more ancient than human civilization, anything else going on in the Forgotten Realms. These things are from a long time ago, which I think is interesting because these things are definitely tied to the Far Realm, but they are not from the Far Realm, which okay. is interesting. Like throughout all their history, they never really are from the Far Realm, even though they are very closely cl connected. They've always been instead these creatures from the deep. Which is something I didn't know. Hmm. Hmm. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, so going forward, um, after that edition, we after uh, Dragon Three Thirty, we are still in third edition. Uh, we get some more variants. Well, one more variant called the Uchulian or Ushaulan, um, which is a slime chul. It is implanted with an illithid tadpole. Uh, an illithid is just a fancy way of saying mind flayer. For those who don't know. Um, and it was a smarter chul who acted as a hunter and a guardian. Uh, it pretty much looked like a combination of a chul and a mind flare. It was purple. It had multiple eyes. Uh, its tentacles seemed a little bit more intact. It was, uh, it's pretty cool, actually. I, I would check it out. It's called, it's a slime chul, but a uh, chulian or uchulian, huh. um, which that sounds more Lovecraftian. <laughs> um, it's funny that you say that because. Because I was thinking that with your pronunciation, that would sound cooler. Uh, like uh, a Akulian? Yeah, but I wanted to like look up the word before I committed to that it's statement. You okay? So you put a U before Chul and then an O N at the end. Uchulian. Or. Or Ukulian. Again, yeah, yeah, that sounds more Eldric to me. Um, uh, I posted it in our chat. Cool. It's a cool name. Uh, honestly, the art for it is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, uh, something to note, too, we're going to talk about this more in 5th edition, but 3rd edition and 3.5 had the tool being intelligent, which is something I kind of wish they kept. Hmm. Um, I can get behind that as someone that's been running them a lot. I do wish that they were smarter. Yeah, like they're not dumb, I would say, like in fifth edition. Um they're smarter than all like all beasts, and like they're as smart as like the dumbest person in a town. Mm -hmm. But like they used to have like they used to be smarter than an average human. Um which kind of makes their connection to Aboleth. A little bit stronger and they also used to be able to speak common they like used to be able to used speak to. languages <laughs> yeah third edition 3.5 they could speak common um under common um and some other languages like they were intelligent creatures from the depths 
hmm. which I think makes them a little bit more scarier than the yeah. Were. I kind of like that more. Yeah, no, I I definitely like that more. Um, Three point five, they didn't change at all; they stayed the same. Uh, then fourth edition is when be, they become more primal, so they become more of attack dogs, uh, warriors, all that stuff. We lose their intelligence; they are not as smart. Um, we also get a variant of the Chul in fourth edition, which is the Juggernaut, um, which is a larger tool um but it also had psychic powers that could pull enemies towards itself which was cool it like had an ability so it could like suck in enemies so then it could use its claws to smash them oh, that's uh, sweet. yeah right it's all like also using like the psychic part of the far realms eldric creatures and yeah that's pretty much like how it's changed throughout the editions of dungeons dragons like there hasn't been that much variation they've really only become stupider nice yeah, which we love to see it. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I like smart monsters. Uh, anyway. Swing in the right direction for me. <laughs> yeah. So let us get into 5th edition. Um, let's talk about their lore here. So like I said, they are very much connected to the Aboleth, um, especially in 5th edition. 5th uh, edition also was the edition where Aboleths got a little bit more of their lore expanded, and they are seem more prominent, which... I I find it weird um, that there hasn't really been a... I, I could be wrong. There could be a module I haven't played in 5th edition that... I, it's weird that they haven't made an adventure based around the Aboleth Empires. Because Aboleth Empires being killed by the gods is like a huge part in a lot of creatures' histories that we've found so far and like this is the second monster in the monster manual out of 40 pages that has referenced this ancient empire and how it used to rule everything yeah mm -hmm. so it's got to be a difficult module to create though right it's not just yeah. like you know descent into avernus where you're like going into hell with a very clear objective like that's really hard to do especially with a lot of mind games at least in my opinion i'm no story writer so right I, I think it would be cool to do like like maybe like kind of like um Raiders of the Lost Ark style thing, like uh diving deep into the ruins. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Maybe get like any... a history lesson as opposed to relive the whole thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Because like if, like the, the ancient Amble of Empires is such a cool part of Forgotten Realms history, and it seems simple compared to a lot of Forgotten Realms history, like the spell plague and mm -hmm. like I think the Sunder, I, that might be another world. But, like, a lot of, like, very complicated things that happened in Forgotten Realms history, it'd be cool to kind of do a dive into um, the ancient empires. But I, I get they might have done that. I have not read all the modules. Are there uh, adventure modules that go into the Far Realms? Um, in I don't think so. Fifth edition? No. Not yet. It doesn't look like, oh, God. So this is coming out on uh april 8th so we're a little late to me getting mad at the april fool's joke that D put out but they they teased uh spelljammer and planescape on april fools just to pull it away from everyone Man. um which would be a perfect way to explore the far realm um but maybe them teasing it maybe them doing a joke on it um because it is kind of a meme like how many people are like asking for those two settings um or like styles of D, &D spellchamber and planescape that i feel like we probably are going to be getting something maybe soon i mean we're getting another look into um 
the spooky plane. I can't Ooh. remember right now. Shadowfell? No, the one with um the vampire. Wow, oh, what can I remember this? What's that adventure with the vampire? Stroud, Crystal Stroud. Yeah, that they're place, doing, that plane. Oh, they're, they're doing an update on it. They're making a setting Is that for. Ravenloft? Yeah, it's Ravenloft. It's like yeah, it's Ravenloft. Um, it's it's like one of the planes of dread. Which I mean, that's up my alley. I'm definitely interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. Yeah, so I kind of cool. wanted to play Crystal Stroud. Stroud. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty good. I, I know. I mean, it's notorious for its death house. That's really all I know about it. That's and we've kind of talked. Yeah, and we've kind of talked about um, the whole Goliath tree and stuff when we talked about blights, which is very close, very connected to Curse of Um, but yeah. So the first sentence we have back to the Chul is: Survivors of the ancient Abolith Empire, Chuls are crustaceans. The Abolith modified, endowed with sentience. Which even that line makes me feel like they should have more intelligence. <laughs> but it's alright. Um, uh, they follow their ingrained deriv- direct di- directives of their creators as they've done since the dawn of time. So they um, were the soldiers, um, the servants of the Abolith, um, and they're still around. Uh, the next paragraph, since they're the called... the dawn of time. Yep. So the Abolith were a thing and they were like, huh, we need stuff made some tool instantaneously that's pretty awesome and then they mind controlled everyone (laughs) until the gods appeared so cool i yeah that's what i'm saying it's it's my guys yeah it's my favorite part of uh the forgotten realms history and lore is the apple of empires um uh prime uh prime evil relics um literally just talks about the apple of empires more um so again, Aboliths, check out Aboliths if you want to learn more about that. Um, pretty much uh, TLDR of that is Aboliths literally conquered all of the Forgotten Realms um, using their psychic abilities. They had empires, kingdoms, all ruled by the Abolith. Um The only people who were able to stop them um, were the gods themselves, the humans, the elves, the dwarves, um, the fae. They couldn't stop them, but the gods stopped them. So... And then the Abolists always have a perfect memory, so they remember the gods killed them, so they're mad. Forever. Big mad. They're big mad, yeah. Um, uh, I think the one of the more interesting things in this paragraph is uh, towards the end, it said, When the Abolists' empire crumbled with the rise of the gods, the Chuls were cast adrift. However, these creatures continue to do what they did for the Abolists, slowly collecting humanoids, gathering treasure, amassing magic, and consolidating power. So, even they kind of have that weird memory that we talked about um, Mm -hmm. in the Abolith, that they still are kind of mindless drones doing what they they were made for. Um, and then tireless guardians, they stand guard of the ruins of ancient Abolith empires. Uh, so they're still around. And the last part we really get is their waiting servants. Although the Abolith's ancient empire fell long ago, the psychic bonds between them and their created servants remain intact. Tools that come into contact with Abolith immediately assume their old role. Such tools redirect their, um, compulsion to the service of the Abolith's sinister purposes. So... If they if they come in contact with an Abolith, they just go back to what they were created for. So it's cool. Yeah. Uh, any you guys have anything to Black say about the lore? Anybody? Yeah, really. 
I just I enjoy reading it over again because just specifically because of my campaign and like where they fit in all of it and like why they are where they are and stuff. It's it's pretty fun. They're yeah. cool. Um. All right. Creature. Let's move on to the stat block then. So, um, what on this pops out at you guys all first? That's like, wow, this is this is exciting. This is this what this is what makes this creature tentacles. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, regardless of the the sex appeal of the tentacles, Shane, uh, it's I'm the thinking, poison, you I'm, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more of uh, what would be really fun would be the uh, sense magic. Yeah, that's honestly my favorite part of the chul. Um, 100. Also, they're very beefy. They have 93 hit points for mm-hmm. CR4. Mm-hmm. I also really all- like that they are amphibious as well. Right, yeah. Just for what they are, like they they look like you could remove that from their class and it wouldn't like hurt it. So I'm just really glad that it's there. They can breathe air and water and they can swim an equal amount of speed to their walking speed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um yeah, so uh they're CR4. They have uh 93 hit points, which I looked back in the monster manual before this episode. Uh there aren't too many creatures that have more health than that. Like uh, the one before the Chimera, uh, CR6 has only 20 more health than them. Um, the Cambion, which is challenge rating 5, has less health than them. Yeah. Dang. The Boule, uh, which is a challenge rating 5, has only one health more than them. Damn. The Michael yeah. Boule? But the, the Michael Boule. They are only one less health than a Michael Boule, which is pretty intense. But I think I'd be way more afraid of a Boule. I don't know. Yeah. They just seem like they can do way more. Yeah, I I gotta say, like, um, this is a very simple stat block. Mm-hmm. Like, for, yeah, for as much health as they have, they don't do. Yeah, it's really it's really straightforward. It really is. They make two pincer attacks. Um, if it grapples one, uh. So if it, that means if it, one of its pincer attacks hits, uh, it then can use its tentacle attack to make a con save to be poisoned, um, which makes the person paralyzed for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make a saving throw at the end of its turn. Um, which is, yeah, that's neat. That's neat. Um, I like the, that they incorporate the tentacles as a, <coughs> as a weapon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of goes back to that whole Lovecraftian vibe they're going for. Mm-hmm. Like this thing, if you remove the tentacles, it would just be a giant lobster. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, it understands deep speech but can't speak it. Um, and these things are pretty wise, though. I will give it that. They have five int, so like I said, they're smarter than uh, the Chimera. Yeah. Um, they're they're smarter than most beasts. They're almost as intelligent as Bullywugs. <laughs> almost <laughs> almost like bullywugs are barely smarter than them and bullywugs have like actual civilizations <laughs> in like actual like town functioning towns so True. these things are almost intelligent um but they are wise so wise creatures also are good for like survivability mm-hmm. um so like i said i kind of wish they were still as smart as they originally were Especially like, um, if yeah, like got... if this thing started like strolled up to me and just started talking, I would just absolutely defecate on the spot. Right, like giving even telepathy and like really basic mm-hmm. communication skills. 
Yeah, like imagine like a really high intelligence, uh, sentient being speaking to you telepathically through the body of a chul, which still has its like, you know, animalistic and primal instincts. So as it's talking to you, like its tentacles are still kind of writhing and like drooling over itself as you yeah. like hear the te- the telepathic t- thoughts slowly start to like turn and like bend into more of an animalistic style conversation as opposed to just like a civilized one as it becomes more and more ravenous like that'd be really that'd be really fucking cool yeah no i 100 percent agree 100 percent agree because it's dumb because it's dumb but maybe smarter than your barbarian (laughs) (laughs) that's rude (laughs) maybe same intelligence as your barbarian um and your barbarian can most likely talk um so most likely um (laughs) so yeah it's multi-attack is easy pincer if it grapples something tentacle attack con save poison paralyzed rinse and repeat super simple to run which is nice like simple stat blocks are nice um Mm -hmm. but the sense magic is honestly i think my favorite part like you said anderson it is yeah very cool it is such a cool especially that it says um that uh this trait otherwise works like detect magic spell but it but itself isn't magical so that means like um you can't stop the chul from using detect magic there's no way to really hide magical things because it you can't stop it's an inherent thing it's like part of their body Mm -hmm. yeah i just had a very very fun conversation with one of my players about a creature's innate invisibility as opposed to magical so when it would never like come out of it it's much more terrifying and it's like oh my god being like invisible is just how it is irl yeah like, same thing here like you there's just no hiding from that there's no hiding from a permanent like detect magic you know right like, yeah you, especially like if the truer after you and you have spell casters or magic items on you mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you have magic items on you like you shouldn't you can't really get away from the truel because they'll be like oh that's where they are. <clears throat> oh hey. Oh hey. Um, <laughs> which is really cool. I, um, I I have some ideas with that sense magic for like when we talk about getting into our own games that I would definitely use with it. Um, but yeah, anything else? Uh, they're large. They have sixteen natural armor. Um, they're pretty strong. They have decent con. Uh, they have low charisma. They're wise for a monster. Um, they have dark vision. That's about it. Simple. Pretty simple. Pretty yeah. damn simple. I do really enjoy when a stat block can give you like a, a one-two punch combo, right? It's like, okay, it's got a pincer attack, and then that can grapple you. But if you manage to get grappled by it, now you're poisoned. But this poison conditioning is also a paralyzation, so you're just absolutely like done. You're like yep. knocked out of the fight as it's holding on to you. So you have yeah. like you have two different saves you need to make to be able to like beat this thing, right? <clears throat> and if oh, you absolutely. Kill them both, it's devastating. I really enjoy the, those kind of like mechanics because it's like if you can get to like the wizard, you know, and just do that, like, oh man. Oh, absolutely. I should um also say that in th- uh, the um Dragon three thirty that we talked about um in the ecology, it did say like the Chul are either um solo creatures because they're like kind of abandoned or they like run in pods of three to four. So you can also use that with this stat block. Like if um, one might not be that terrifying, but three to four definitely game changers if a so few of your party so members it's, get paralyzed. It's, on a, it's in a fire team, is what you're saying. <clears throat> exactly. It's ready to go do some um 
strikes if it has <laughs> three to four. Um, yeah. So, okay. Let's uh, get to the last part of our episode. Uh, for anyone new, the last part, we talk about uh, the three pillars of Dungeons & Dragons, which are social, exploration, and combat. Uh, we talk about how we would use this creature in those pillars and then we round it all off by putting our own spin on these creatures so first let's talk about social how would we use these in an adventure or story and what happens if your party stumbles upon a tool uh well they can't talk so we can skip this section exploration (laughs) 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 Uh, i mean yeah they don't talk (laughs) but um i think uh at least for my groups, like one, like I'm running two campaigns right now. One's Ice and mm-hmm. and one's a Greek setting. Um, in the Greek setting, I think it'd kind of just be like a "Oh, we see monster, we kill" kind of thing, right? Not really a whole right. lot will go into that. But right. in my in my Dale setting, one of my characters is a a changeling with a like an enhanced form of like telepathy, basically. Oh hell! And yeah. I think. Uh, <clears throat> They're also a, a blood hunter, and they're like they took like the the warlock subclass with the pact of the old one. So like nice. in this instance, if this if this creature were to present itself to to this character, just this very specific character, uh, I feel like it'd be a, a really how do I word this invasive situation, right? She's got this mm-hmm. pact with like an outer god from the far realm. These things kind of like you know like resonate with that, and just like yeah, this like colliding information which would be pretty sweet yeah oh, absolutely i um i think to kind of go off their like tireless guardians feeling um is uh, like these are ancient um i i think like in a lot of campaigns these creatures wouldn't really be known mm-hmm. like people um obviously everyone's campaign is different but, like, if you're running, like, Forgotten Realms or something, like, a chul isn't going to be, like, something that I, I teach in school to be aware of. Right. Um, so it could definitely be, like, if you're in, like, a, if I'm taking very, like, Lovecraftian right now, but um, very Eldritch. If you, like, are in, like, a port or something and maybe, like, a chul body is pulled from the depths and it's, like, kind of sitting on the dock, kind of like how you hang a shark or something, um, instead of oh. interacting with the tool itself and having a conversation with it, it would be really interesting to have NPCs being like, what the hell is this? This mm-hmm. is a creature we've never seen before. Um, and kind of explore that part of like the social um, aspect of it is like how other NPCs who are not familiar with this type of creature react to it. Um, and it could also start art off in an adventure or a story be like, Oh, we found this in the deep swamps. It was um, it's dead, but it's like frozen in the swamps uh, we didn't really go farther because if this is here what else is there and that's a, would be a cool way to like jump off a story about going to like an ancient aboleth temple that, or something that like is that. really I, cool actually yeah, i love that so much like i love the idea of that or see this is why you host the podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> the only <laughs> like i didn't really have anything for social until you dropped that and the only thing that i would do is like take your idea <laughs> and put it in like a museum take like right. one one piece of a tool that like never deteriorates or changes and it's just so fascinating to people in the town a tentacle <laughs> i was thinking tentacle. more like a claw but yeah maybe a tentacle <laughs> yeah so um i've been reading my because i have i've had the call of cthulhu um like source books 
uh, mm-hmm. the latest edition for a bit, and I've been like sk- skimming through them just because to figure out like how the game plays. And a lot of that game is like investigation and like, wow, that crazy symbol appeared or these cultists appeared. We have no idea what this is, and I'm, I've been trying to like figure out a way to like translate that into D and D a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the tool would be a perfect way to do that is like to start a mystery. That's how the quest starts. There's a strange creature. We don't even know what the name is. It's probably Kahul because that just sounds right. Um, they're saying Chul, but they're wrong. Um, that's how the quest starts. Um, yeah. Uh, I, if you run into them and it can still speak or just make sounds. I, Shane, you make the greatest sounds whenever you run into them in your campaign. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that would also be like in you know, like a in adventure in itself. Like the party kills one, and then they're just like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? It's like an insect, but it's like a reptile, but like also looks like you can breathe underwater. Like, what the hell's yeah. happening here?" I love that they kind of bring their own innate kind of mystery with them. Yeah. So, like you in my campaign, you guys have encountered these things several times, half a dozen mm-hmm. times or more, and you've only just recently found out kind of like what they are. Yeah. And and I like that they kind of carry that aura of it, like exactly like you said, like what the fuck? <laughs> well, yeah. What is this thing? He's like looking at the like picture of it too. Like you put that like picture in front of me, I'll just be like, what? I don't know what the hell you're showing me right now. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, okay. Um, anything else for social? I, th- I think you knocked it out of the park there. All I right. love yeah. that idea. Yeah. Hell yeah, let's jump into it's exploration. Like a, it's like a Godzilla movie right there. It really does. <laughs> it really does. Just like, what if we get Monarch on the case? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about exploration. What kind of landscapes might this, the tool be found? Uh, does it have a favorite terrain? And what type of fantastical fantastical locations could you create for this monster to appear in a fishing dock after it's been caught <laughs> <laughs> boom all right on to combat <laughs> um oh, i love like just to keep with the whole cthulhu theme just uh like i man every time i end up under a mountain so like <laughs> Team is investigating under a mountain. Mountains are important. <laughs> yes. And they come across like a, a huge tunnel that ends in a very creepy doorway. But like like a guardian would naturally do. They just like stand stoically nearby mm-hmm. um, until until they're ready to do what they do. I don't know. And in in the way I have chosen to use them in my world, at least initially, was like, to go off creating a fantastical location. Um, I basically made like a floating island in the far realms that the party accidentally got to, and it was like an Aboleth temple. So when things went poorly, <laughs> they were like, you know, activated like a Manchurian candidates or something. Yeah. And I kind of liked that. Right, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the Guardian aspect, definitely, like, um, they're, they're good for dungeons, for that mm-hmm. reason, um, because if you're heading into an ancient dungeon, boom. I like, like the these... idea of them, uh, with their little, like, sentience or, uh, free will, so to speak, to yeah. just be kind of, like, buried under the sand or, like, in, like, a snowy tundra, and when someone walks over them and disrupts them, like, they had like a reason to like 
get up and move because something's happening because they've just been left alone for so long and they had no idea what to do. They don't seem like a creature that like needs to eat, you know? It seems like it could just slumber for like centuries at a time. I don't know if they need... I, I don't... It doesn't say anything about them eating. So, like, you're. I think you're right. I don't even know if these things need to eat. Because, I mean... The Oculus tells them to eat. <laughs> it's time to eat. Yeah. Because, I mean, it says they guard the ruins of ancient Apple empires in yeah. silent uh, uh, observance of Eon, o Eon's old commands. Like, they're still around, but they're, like, also not doing things, so, like, they have to be able to live somehow. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm getting kind of, like, as, as cheesy as this may sound, I'm getting, like, some very serious Titan vibes from Attack on Titan from this thing. Just yeah. kind of like mindless, nonsensical, uh, like abominations that are kind of like running at you for no fucking reason other than to just do it, you know? That is a good, yeah, I mean, that's a good way to put it. I thought Abolith's like command was like kill all humans before the Empire was wiped out and Abolith sees a human. It's going to do exactly that. that. Got yeah. Hiccups. Um, yeah, so look, um, kind of like the landscape. I really like in the ecology of uh, the Chul that we found out in Dragon Three Thirty. Um, I like the swampland aspects. Um, kind of like the really deep, uh, mysterious swamps. Um, mm -hmm. kind of mixing land with water, but also making a very spooky. Um, like they're like ruins for an Ampleth Empire. I could definitely see being in there, and it'd be really cool too. Like possibly be like walking through a swampland um you'd maybe found like like you heard at the tavern that recently there was like oh ruins found in the deep swamps no one's ever gone and people usually stay away but your party being uh, pcs are like hell yeah that sounds sweet we can take care of it um and they're just walking through the swamps Psych. and they see what they think to be statues like these strange lobster statues with moss growing over them um, kind of becoming part of the swamp but as they like get closer to the ruins they activate like shane you said in your campaign they like turn on yeah. these guardians and boom um also underwater adventures these things would be great uh they're definitely going to want to fight in areas with water because they can breathe underwater and they have extra swim speed they can move faster dude these things would be so much scarier if you encountered them in the water Oh, absolutely. 100%. Oh, absolutely. man. Yeah, like, yeah, you're, like, under, like instead, imagine seeing this thing instead of a fucking shark. Right. It's I'd rather see a shark. I'd dry. rather see a shark, too. Because <laughs> oh at God. least I know the shark would kill me as opposed to, I don't know, eating my fucking brains. <laughs> that, yeah, that is true. And, um, yeah, like, if... Oh, God, if you're doing, like, a seafaring um, type of campaign and, like, Things begin to crawl aboard your ship. Oh, like, that would be terrifying. Like, you fail your perception check. Yeah. And like, oh my god, imagine your players are like, hey, give me a perception check this late at night on like the deck of the ship. Right? Like, okay, cool. They're like, oh, you rolled an eight. Like, okay, whatever. Like, maybe I won't see a storm coming, but like a bird. It's like, all right, you turn yeah. around and like, bam, there it is standing over you, like uh, successfully onboarding your ship without having any sort of detection and you just turn around to this hulking insect-like monstrosity just standing over you because it could just breathe underwater like, yeah it so Jesus. terrifying 
Uh, you could latch on like a barnacle, and you could encounter yeah, basically them, like, three or four sessions later. Like yeah, you, you yeah. never just know. latch on and harbor, and then your team goes on. For <laughs> years, and then all of a sudden, one day, this thing just decides: this, this is my moment. Now is the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. If I'm ever doing a seafaring um, campaign, I uh, enjoyed our pirate campaign. Yeah, that was a good one. I do like. I like pirates. Pirates are fun. Pirates um, are fun. To kind of go off that ocean and climbing on board. Um, also, like I'm, we're falling back to Lovecraftian tropes a lot. At least I am tonight. Um, there's the sunken city, or like the lost city, or like lost boats that appear in Eldricor mm-hmm. um, stories all the time. Where like you're on a ship and you stumble upon a city that's not supposed to be there. You're in the middle of the ocean. What the hell? What's going on? My mind. There's crazy fish people. Ah! That's every Lovecraftian story ever. But, um, nice. You'd be cool if you're on a ship and you like hit something. You're like, what the hell? You're in. You hit another ship, and you go go aboard that ship and you're like searching it. Maybe it's like a large, uh, large cargo ship or something. And you, it'd be more of a modern campaign. Um, and instead of like zombies or anything, like the chul have taken over, and you're like underneath, and then a chul appears. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. just ocean ocean beaches swamps uh far realm um just because the the books don't explicitly say they are from the far realm like it makes sense they're in the they'd be in the far realm Mm -hmm. if you're there um because they are connected to mind flayers and aboliths which uh, that's still weird to me like aboliths and not weird but like interesting that um aboliths and chul are specifically aberrations but they really aren't connected to the far realm that much right which is interesting that we have different versions of aberrations in that sense. Um, all right, let's get to the last part of this trifecta, the pillars that hold D&D up. Uh, combat, how would they fight? What tactics would they use? Um, I kind of like your uh, thought process, Anderson, about them just running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Sounds like, it, yeah... Intelligence, they don't really have, so they're not going to come up with an elaborate plan to mm-hmm. fight. But, like, they are wise, so they, like, maybe just think about that in combat. Um, but I think it's pretty simple. They're going to try to pincer people, poison them. Yeah. I'd say they're probably wise enough that if they paralyze someone, they'll probably move on to the next target. Instead of just, like, wasting mm-hmm. all their time to just kill. Well, I think if if I'm reading the the rule or the the verbiage correctly, uh, they have to be grappling the creature for them to have the paralyzation. Uh, let me see. One creature grappled. Am I, am, I, am I wrong by that? I think it just it has to like I think that ruling is the like poison. They just need to grapple it, and then they yeah. Can I think on? the okay. whole thought process is like you grapple it, and then like holds up to the tentacles, and the tentacles like wrap around its your face and poison you. Gotcha. Um, okay. That's how I would read it, um, but I could definitely see how, yeah, the, like that interpretation too. Um, I think I would honestly run these as like a horrific kind of encounter. Like yeah. I, I would like I really like the boat one, like the idea of it like hanging on to the ship. Um, but the uh, just the idea of these things is like like you said they don't have good intelligence, but they are wise, right? They do have wisdom. And they like someone who has enough wisdom would understand that getting the drop on something definitely has a 
better uh, advantage if you can, you know, strike first. Yeah. So just the idea that your party's going through whatever they're going through, whether it be just like a cave or traveling through the mountain or uh, like walking across like a desert that they're currently just, you know, taking a nap under, just like <clears throat> with absolutely no warning, it's just behind them and they turn around and like, bam, surprise round. Hell yeah. Like I, th- I think I'd try to, to roll it that way if I played these guys, but you know, obviously with with the right roles and the party failing right those roles but right it would really have to be like like maybe like that would be the plan for the tool but like honestly roles could change that but i i do i like that um um especially like kind of going off the uchulan uh the smart smarter abolis like like used to be like hunters so pull that into there like hunters usually uh, animals that are apex predators or hunters (laughs) do have like a little bit of idea of like how to approach their prey mm-hmm. yeah i think they would definitely be wise enough to like not necessarily pick the weakest out of the bunch but perhaps the smallest the easiest prey first yeah absolutely or to at least be able to detect the threat right sure yeah yeah, yeah. like you can go toe-to-toe with anything physical but if uh, an arcane sense with its uh sense magic comes launching like you know a couple magic missiles like i feel like its attention is going to just entirely fixate on that right absolutely i I like bringing that sense magic i didn't even think about that but bringing that sense magic into combat like it knows what magic is so you have spellcasters or anyone even with magic items in your party like they probably will be the focus Mm -hmm. of these creatures i would Um, think so because it just it makes sense if they Um, can sense magic then they probably know how devastating it can be to them yeah definitely um, and I think they would use, if there is a fight where water is present, they would use that to their advantage, diving in and out. Um, mm-hmm. because that's where they're from, it's where they're most, most, that's where they're no, that's where they know to fight. That's where they know how to fight. Um, yeah. Anything else to, I guess I should say with combat, we kind of usually talk about, is there like an out? Will the tool, will the tool, if they knock down everyone in the party, will they take them prisoner? I don't think so. No, nah, they're eating their heads. Yeah, I think yeah. this is one of those where, like, your party's dead if they get TPK'd by them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you, like, roll a dice and only half of them are dead when they come to. Yeah. And, like, you give your, ch- your characters, like, the chance to, uh, you know, roll new characters up, but they can just, like, start in, like, the den of, like, a, a cool or something. Yeah, or, like, the ruins, yeah. Um. But, like, we've talked about in other monsters, like, how do you prevent a TPK with this monster? I think Chul would be kind of hard to, like, hand wave that. Yeah. Because they are just there for a purpose. Yep. They you don't have care. have come back lobotomized and basically yeah. just re-end the game, you know? Like, all right, the game starts. You all have negative one intelligence. You all have one intelligence. Not, not modifier, score. Like, yeah. <laughs> you have a dead. really bad <laughs> headache, and it feels like you can think exactly half as fast. Yeah, I mean, I guess okay. I put a caveat on this. If an abolith has found the tool, then your party would probably be brought to the abolith, so the abolith could mind control them, so you could have more yeah, servants. Yeah, that's true. It would totally if, enslave your party. Yeah, so I guess that's that's the caveat. If the tool are by themselves, no abolith in control. Goodbye. If the party, if the tool is being controlled by an abolith, your party is gonna be uh, control mind controlled, which is still a playable campaign because your party could wake up a week later and be like, what the hell did we just do the last week? Um, Surrounded in bodies. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, for yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, that's a darker campaign, talk to your party. But like, that's definitely that's the way you can save that. <laughs> Um, that's a darker campaign. Talk to your party. That's yeah, that's that's just general <laughs> advice. Dark themes like that. Talk to your party. Um, because maybe a person who plays D and D once every couple months and just likes hanging out with their friends doesn't want to deal with the trauma of killing hundreds of innocent people, <laughs> or getting a lobotomy. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. All right, so let's do the last part of this episode where we put our own spin on the creature. How would we take this creature, put it into our own campaigns, and make it our own? So um, it'd be like, oh, they ran the tool this way. Um, Who wants to start us off? I'll go first because I'm already doing this. All right. Wow, so special. Yeah, look at me, weird flex. The way I use tool, as I mentioned in the beginning, is just as like a kind of like a badass foot soldier. They're not hyper intelligent and they're easily manipulatable and i kind of like that it's like you point in a direction and a bunch of these things just kind of go and uh i don't know i like the horde mentality with with them that's something i've been kind of leaning on uh it hasn't exactly worked in my favor um (laughs) but that's okay um but i think if i was going to redo things and i wanted to do them in like a fun and fancy way uh i really liked what you mentioned earlier anderson about like them kind of like hiding in cool places Mm -hmm. forget going under a mountain and seeking out an old archaic like cthulhu shrine i kind of like the idea of being on the mountain and accidentally stumbling across something like that and getting like ambushed by a bunch of these things that have been like buried by an avalanche or something oh yeah um and having them have to like uncover this mystery through battle you know you end up fighting like four tools that have been frozen for ages and through combat through like I don't know, maybe your your wizard throws a fireball and you expose like a bunch of like fallen monoliths and things like that. I think that'd be a fun little a cool way to just use them as a monster and also introduce a, a fun story or side quest or something. Oh yeah, definitely. I I, I like I, I really like that idea of um like the avalanche. Um and just yeah. like Anderson said, like the hidden the tool hiding, um very horror movie-esque um, popping out and then just being like what the fuck is that yeah i yeah. like that uh you put it in my head that they don't really have to eat and eat and stuff so like nope. if they were in a position where they could just stay somewhere for ages and ages and ages i mean and they didn't have an abolith in their head telling them to go scavenge and find humanoids why would they leave <laughs> absolutely um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I really like the horde use. You use them um, as kind of like mindless soldiers. Um, I think that has been some interesting fights definitely popping up in your campaign with that. Yeah, they kind of get a bit of a bad rep in my head, though, because they don't get to use their own wisdom. So, like, they do have a yeah. penchant for making terrible decisions and ignoring we, obvious things. We have firewalled the last three fights. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we. I don't think anyone in our party has been hit the last three fights against no. them. And it's just like it's not their fault. If if it was just them fighting, they would uh, have a different mentality, I think. But it's like you know, they got some other shit going on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Anderson, what do you got? 
All right, so <clears throat> I got a couple things here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I said it like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the first thing that I, I think that might be, like, interesting to, to work with, um, going back to just what I know at the moment, which is Icewind Dale, um, I don't mind talking about this because I, I'm going to exclude it from my game because I think it, it's a really weird plug. But uh, there's a Mind Flayer um, <coughs> encounter in Icewind Dale where, like, a nautical ship crashes. And you can I, that's run the into only it. part of Icewind Dale I've read, and I also kind of was like, okay. It, it's very out of place. It is yeah. so out of place. And I, if, I, if memory serves, I skip over it every time. But if memory serves, you can get a ray gun. Really weird. Um, oh yeah I don't, okay yeah so just like no thanks none of that yeah. but uh if i were to include that in the game uh what's to say that like a mind flayer wouldn't have the mental fortitude to be able to control a, like a, a tool right like yeah. any kind of creature that would have the ability to control it would be awesome right so you could plug it in as like guard dogs for other kind of like mentally capable creatures right Mm -hmm. um going back to that that player i had who's very you know mind influencing heavy like what's to say they can't control one temporarily you know like gain like a like a control of it for like a minute but just like just forcing their will on it taking an action every turn to basically just control it but that's just that extra body on the field taking up hit points that's just the action economy you know yeah um i think i would also plug them in <clears throat> like like I've mentioned before, just kind of like hiding and not so much like hiding and waiting, but just like idly awaiting like orders. Right. And it's like the last thing it was told is like, you know, defend or capture or whatever it is. So when something just walks by, just spring like a trap on them. And I mean, like it wouldn't be like hard for like the players to like miss it. Right. Because it's not that it's been active in a very long time and it'd be a pretty yeah. high DC check. It's really more of like a perception check to like, see how stealthily this thing could come up out of the ground. Right. That's how I, that's how I think I would use it. I, I'm not entirely like the most comfortable using, uh, aberrations in my game. Cause I just haven't had much practice with them, but that's where I, that's where I would go with that. Yeah, definitely. Aberrations are like, they're hard really... to plug in compared to most things, at least for me. They're not really plug and play because yeah. you, if you introduce an aberration, you pretty much have to introduce the Far Realm or some type of eldritch ancient horror. Um, because you couldn't put it like a mind flare and just be like, oh, that's just a strange tentacle man <laughs> who has psychic powers. That's exactly what happened in my campaign. It was like once, once it started, it's basically been like the last third of my campaign has been all uh far realm and like aberration stuff yeah yeah definitely like, which i'm yeah. totally fine with but like you said it, it did kind of put me in a little bit of a box right because if they appear you at least have to have a storyline about it mm -hmm. um or unless you want or unless the party ignores it then you just have a oh there was something very strange about that dungeon we were just in um and the party ignores it that's fine but that that's also kind of cool but you still have to have like a dungeon connected to it like sure i think walking through a forest and then having a chool i mean i guess if, if it was an ancient forest that would make sense just but like, like the idea just of you disguised falling, as a tree uh, yeah like falling through the forest floor indiana jones style and finding some chool yeah <laughs> that's when you say it like that it sounds like a drug <laughs> it really does <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. All right. So um, I, I want to really focus on the sense magic for my, my ideas. Um, 
so we know that's true as guardians and all that stuff, uh, specifically guardians of old ancient relics. Um, there's this trope in a lot of fantasy and a lot of fiction. Um, most that like any fiction that has magic or anything on that is like, there's usually some secret organization trying to find relics. Um, we talked about Indiana Jones and, uh, like the grail, the Ark of the covenant and all this stuff. Um, pretty much any fantasy genre is going to have a group of people trying to find ancient magic items. Um, which I think it would be cool if one of those groups in your game was able to somehow take a chul hostage or mind wash the chul to help them find the magic items. Yeah. Kind of like a truffle pig or some <laughs> like the um, hunters using dogs to find things. A chul would be a perfect magic item hunter. Yeah. You. Yeah, you dive into ruins um, looking for magic items. You follow the chul. Also, doesn't hurt that it's huge and can fend for itself. And it doesn't have to eat, so you don't have to worry about it like eating you for no reason. Yeah, it would be a perfect guide dog to find magic items. Along that line, um, if somehow a city or a kingdom were able to manipulate a large amount of chul and they were trying to limit magic being used in their kingdom... They'd be good to be used as alongside guards. Maybe you are running a low magic um, game or even you're playing like Dark Sun where magic is pretty much banned because magic destroyed the world. Um, I could see organizations using the tool, commanding them somehow. You'd have to definitely figure out how the group was using a tool Mm -hmm. for this purpose, but... It'd be a great way to make magic even seem a little bit more dangerous because, oh no, you can't do that spell in the city limits because it will leave a trace and a tool that the guards Ooh. have will be able to find that. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah. So I think I, I would, I definitely would love to explore the like um, work aspect of the tool, like what you could do with it once you have control of it. Because, like, the sense magic that isn't magical in itself is such a unique trait. I don't know too many other monsters that have something similar to that. And I could definitely see groups using that to their advantage. Hell, even if the party, maybe the party's on a quest to find a magic um, item and they get a tool on loan. And they're going <laughs> through the jungles following the tool. Um, which could make an interesting quest because the party could be like, what the fuck is this lobster octopus thing? Right. Um, feel very uneasy about it, but they have to follow it to that item. A very uneasy alliance. Um, now I just I'll... have a, a private inve- a PI tool like in my head, head with like a fedora on. <laughs> that would be so fucking good too. Yeah. By a magic <laughs> he's been blessed with extra <laughs> intelligence. Just a very smart tool. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that. Um, and then the last part is pretty much the same thing I was just saying, but for my uh, Ever in 1999, which is like a cyberpunk fantasy uh, campaign I'm running. Um, so how familiar are you guys with RoboCop? Not enough to you know, get any it's reference crazy. you're going to say. I'm from Michigan. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm not that familiar okay. with RoboCop. So a big part of RoboCop is, well, obviously there's a RoboCop, um, but they've what? also, the same company has designed these large robots. You've probably seen spoofs of, like, the large robots that, like, criminals listen to my commands and then, like, shoot people because, like, you shouldn't have AI Wasn't guards or robots. Yeah, pretty much. It's bad. Um, these giant robots that are meant to search for things criminals and stop them but they usually just end up murdering them because robots can't make common sense choices right uh, i think the true stat block would make a pretty good robotic replacement for that um and eberron the dragon marked houses don't really like people messing with their markets um so if people are making magic items robotic tool robot kicks down your door kills you all <laughs> Um, Robo yeah, tool. have you ever seen the movie The Wild Wild West? With uh, Will Smith, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, you know, the man who has no legs but instead has like eight metal legs, a spider, yeah, yeah, I, that that's kind of what I'm picturing as this tool. Like, it's not perfect, right? But it's like almost steam powered, but not exactly because it'd be cyberpunked, but maybe some like loose wires and sparks and stuff, yeah. Oh man. Those legs are just like the perfect image for a robotic tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My God, Wild Wild West is so, that's oh, the only Western that has a rap song. It's a, like theme song. It's great. I actually, it's a bad movie. I like it. Um. So I think anyone else have any last words for the troll? Any last things you want to say about it before we get out of here? Not for me, no. It's got a good, well-earned place in my campaign, and I'm happy I learned about it when I did. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, that was our Truel episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so uh, next episode, we are not leaving the Far Realm. We are not leaving the Aberration Thank goodness. list. We are going to a Cloaker, which is all kind of the opposite of a Truel. It has so much stuff going on in its stat block. <laughs> It is honestly one of my favorite aberrations. It is very interesting, very um, unique. So yeah, join us next episode to learn about more about that, about the crazy alien uh, manta ray that's probably going to eat your face. Minecraft did it first. Minecraft did it first. Actually, <laughs> actually don't know any I haven't done the research yet, so I can't do an actually now. I don't know when cloakers came, came around. Um, but yeah, they are pretty much just phantoms from Minecraft. Um, yeah. So let's do some plugs and get out of here. Um, someone start us off. I'm Shane. You can catch me at twitch.tv slash bring the Shane. I play lots of video games and it's lots of fun and we do other stuff. We have thematic Tuesdays. We call ourselves dummies and have fun and have another podcast. I really wanted to exhaust all my breath, but I couldn't handle it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <That's> about it. <laughs> Anderson got anything? Uh, nope, not for me. All right. So you can find me in Twitch also at twitch.tv slash farmgoat. I've been doing um, a lot of like role-playing in games, online games. So if you want to, I feel like that's kind of D&D adjacent. So if you want me, if you want to watch me pretend to be other people while playing video games, it's a fun time. Um, but And as Shane said, uh, on Tuesdays, we record a podcast live at 6 p.m. Eastern called Ruining Movie. Uh, ruining movies in which we talk about the movie news of the week and then we also have a movie of the week which we discuss and then with the help of you you wonderful audience um we have to recreate that movie in a different genre and make it a prequel sequel or remake 
um, that is chosen by what you guys vote on. Last episode, we did Turbo Kid. Next episode, we are doing Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Um, it should be a good time. It's always a blast. And then is after we... Yep. <laughs> yep. All part of the monster manual. Um, um, and after that, we play dummies play where we play co-op games. I think we're going to play playing some type of trivia game uh, yeah. next, next dummies play, which should be a lot of fun. Um, but that is it. I guess also check out my YouTube farm goat plays farm goat says I've been uploading shorts to that, which are like 60 second videos. Um, farm goat plays has a bunch of me playing red dead online which people are liking which is cool to see and then farm goat says i'm doing 60 second movie reviews and i'm also talking about tabletop role-playing games um so go check those out and yeah if you you can find this podcast if you're listening to it you're probably listening to like on spotify or like podbean or anything so you know you can find it anywhere but really itunes and that's it this has been a lot of talking um that has been it i hope you guys enjoyed this i hope that you could take what we have talked about today put it into your own game uh trolls definitely deserve some aspects i see you are raising your hand (laughs) anderson Uh, (laughs) this is a audio podcast so you're right i cannot prove it um but anyway as always i hope you guys are staying safe and yeah be excellent to each other we will see you next time as we talk about the cloaker bye bye everyone bye.